On today's show, Devin Booker keeps the Suns' win streak alive. How is Phoenix finding success despite having so many guys in and out of the rotation so far this season? Plus, are the Orlando Magic ahead of schedule, currently tied for second place in the Eastern Conference and with a top three defense in the NBA this year? Plus, why are the Warriors struggling so much after a hot start, including a blow-up between Chris Paul and referee Scott Foster in their most recent loss to the Suns? It's all coming up right here on today's Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Monday edition of Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. I'm your Monday host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And as always, thanks so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making Locked On NBA part of your day every single day. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Suns, Brendan Clean, who you can track down wherever you listen to your podcast and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Suns. Brendan, the Phoenix Suns, one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now, a seven-game win streak. The streak's still alive, courtesy of a last-second three-pointer by Devin Booker to close out the New York Knicks. Let's start right there. Walk us through the end of the Suns game against the Knicks and, and how Booker was able to hit that big-time three. It felt like a game the Knicks always win. You know, they somehow eke out a big burst from Jalen Brunson, a big burst from Julius Randle. It doesn't feel like the Suns necessarily have an answer for those guys in isolation. There's a stretch from like the three-minute mark to the one-minute mark where no one scores. You're seeing Hacka Mitchell Robinson. You're seeing uh, Booker kind of worried about Mitchell Robinson when he's trying to score, and nobody can hit a bucket. Then all of a sudden, you know, uh, some things start to go in. Randall gets a score. Booker gets a score. And then that sets up the tie game, 113. And Booker gets off of it as we expected he would have to because the Knicks were relentlessly double teaming him all night. Somehow they let him get it back and gets back into single coverage. Takes the shot that I think he knew would be the only one he was going to get. If he drove, they were going to maul him. You know, you just throw everything they could. And so he rose up, didn't even need three. It's a tie game. It's not like they were down two or down three and makes it over Randall, over multiple defenders. And it's just another one of these moments for this guy who tends to give us a lot every season, but this is the first and yeah, it keeps the momentum going. A Kevin Durantless back-to-back in Memphis and New York over the weekend and the Suns come away with two victories, mostly because that dude is so good. 28 points for Devin Booker in this win against the Knicks. I know you're going to have us covered for a full breakdown on that over at Locked On Suns. Now, Brennan, what has been kind of, because the Suns still aren't healthy, right? They've got guys constantly in and out of the lineup this season. So what has been the key to this seven-game win streak after kind of a rough start where they're finally kind of starting to find their groove a little bit? Well, I think having two MVP caliber players certainly helps, you know, and that's the... The Suns went through a rut like this last year. I mean, every team deals with stuff like this, but the Suns in December of last season, while Booker was dealing with a hamstring and groin injury, they couldn't get anything going. And I think it's a big reason why you saw them turn around and make the Kevin Durant trade that they did in February. And you fast forward to now, and those guys are 
able to lift a lot. You know, regular season games, you can win a lot of those, even with Bradley Beal out most of the season and and some different guys shuffling in and out and not certain who your rotation is going to be. But I think between those two, and you give a lot of credit to the coaching staff who have adapted quickly, you know, Josh Okogie, late start kind of decision tonight because Grayson Allen woke up sick. Okay, great. Well, you put Josh Okogie in. All right, actually, that's not working. He's not really guarding Jalen Brunson all that well. Brunson goes for 35 and eight. Pivot. Who are we playing instead? What are we doing instead? And they get enough from some of the rest of the role players. So they've just had the kind of band-aid approach and, you know, good defense, good shooters and superstar players. That's been their recipe. And they're, you know, back toward the top of the West finally after a weird start. I know you brought up the coaching staff kind of there for a moment. How would you kind of assess, you know, the, the new look coaching staff, Frank Vogel and company so far this season? I think you'd have to be impressed. You know, we'll, I think time will tell whether they assemble a playoff caliber and, you know, championship caliber scheme and, and kind of set up on both sides of the court, but they've gone pretty simple offensively, which I think makes sense when you have the, the star talent that the Suns do. And, defensively it's it's pretty recognizable for anybody who's watched Frank Vogel it's going to be size aggressive taking away the paint trying to force turnovers turn defense into offense taking care of the glass defending in transition those are the hallmarks of Vogel and I think they've come through so this was a roster that was completely overhauled the second most tenured son is Josh Okogie who signed last summer in July of 2022 and so to be where they are 11 and six with that all said, I think you'd have to feel like Vogel did a pretty good job so far. And, you know, once Beal and Durant get back and we finally see this team, the real version of it, I, you know, we'll, we'll reevaluate then, but a plus so far, I think. Yeah. And I know we, we haven't seen this team at full strength yet, right? Still yet to see the big three playing together. And one of the biggest questions about how this trio of stars was going to function is okay well now all the onus is on basically Devin Booker to be point Booker so far though this season Booker averaging a career high eight and a half assists per game how has it looked so far with him having the ball in his hands being responsible for orchestrating the Suns offense he's a point guard now I mean whatever that that means in 2023 right like every team has a different sort of point guard Nicole Jokic is a point guard right like but Anybody who watched this guy in the postseason last year, I think would have understood he was ready for this. It's just a matter of how consistently can he do it? Does he get hurt? Is it too much burden physically? All, all those questions, I think, are natural when a player takes on more responsibility, even than the star level responsibility he already had in previous seasons. But he's handled that. You know, he did have some weird injuries early on, but it hasn't seemed to bother him. His efficiency is totally fine. He's not turning it over much at all. 11 assists to two turnovers against New York on Sunday night. So that, that any, any Suns fan knew, you know, Bradley Beal was not going to be the point guard of this team. Kevin Durant, any of these guys, it was going to be book. And I think he's aced that test as well as he possibly could have. And he'll have even more, you know, weapons at his disposal when the rest of the guys are back. One kind of, I think, underrated free agency signing here. You talk about the Suns, like, overhauling their entire roster. Eric Gordon, former Houston Rocket Eric Gordon, uh, might I add. It feels like he's been very instrumental to, you know, some of the Suns' success early on here. He had 25 in this game, this most recent game against the Knicks. Just how important has he been to this team, you know, whether it's coming off the bench, slotting into the starting lineup, and kind of what do you envision his role being when this team is fully healthy and they've got, you know, Durant and Beal back in the lineup on a 
more consistent basis. Yeah, there will be an interesting conversation to have when everybody's healthy, who between Gordon and Allen is starting, is finishing. They've both been very good. They've both been integral to this team, staying afloat on offense, especially with a lack of star talent, healthy at times. Gordon specifically, I mean, we were joking about this on Locked On Suns postgame today, and 538.com, which is, you know, a, a nerdy basketball and other sports stats website that doesn't really exist anymore. They used to have those calculators where you could plug in a player and see what their actual monetary value should be based on their performance. I, Gordon's making like $3 million this year. I have a feeling if that still existed, it, it would be mid, uh, you know, mid-tier starter money, like $15 million or something. I mean, he has been everything that they've needed. He's defended fours a lot of nights because they don't want Durant to have to do that. He's handling the ball and initiating offense to get Booker a little bit more in space, like kind of everything that they have wanted him to do, he's been able to do. And he's having a, a vintage season. He's showing us that the past few years in Houston, maybe, you know, weren't the best to evaluate him in a losing situation. And he's, he's back. When will we get to see this Suns team ultimately at a full strength with Durant and Beal and Booker, the big three that we've yet to see in action? What will ultimately happen with that fifth starting spot between Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen? You'll have us covered for all of that and so much more over at Locked On Suns. Brendan, thanks for stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Thanks. I'll be back when they make their debut, hopefully. <laughs> Coming up, are the Orlando Magic ahead of their rebuilding schedule? Currently tied for second place in the Eastern Conference with a top three defense in the NBA this season. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you just pick more than or less than on two to six players and their stat projections and watch the winnings roll in prize picks is so simple to play. You can make your picks and submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. They've got quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types, which is what makes prize picks the number one DFS app on the market. And with basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can do LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three pointers made plus reception. So if you went thinking about getting into daily fantasy sports, you've got to check out prize picks or go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA all lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. And continuing on here at Locked On NBA Monday, some exciting news as Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every single league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe for the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Magic, Philip Rossman Reich. You can track down wherever you listen to your podcast and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Magic. And Philip, the Orlando Magic, seven straight wins and tied for second place in the Eastern Conference with some really impressive wins against the, the Denver Nuggets, the Boston Celtics. So kind of walk us through how has this Magic team been able to come out on top against um, some really high quality opponents over this you know seven game win streak? 
Yeah, I mean, I, the the easy answer is they're they're just a young team and and they've gotten better and and they've kind of figured themselves out and figured out their identity. Uh, the the simpler answer is like this is one of the best defensive teams in the league. I mean, we're 17 games into the season. The Magic, I think, are now third in the league in defensive rating after the after the game against Charlotte on Sunday, which was not their best defensive effort, which they still won. Um, but this is a team that has really figured out who it is and figured out its formula to win and. The things that they are good at, they're just elite at. They're elite at forcing turnovers and getting and and getting out in the break, getting out in the break. They're elite at crashing the offensive glass to kind of negate some of their shooting struggles. They've got a budding star in Paolo Bancaro who has really blossomed this this uh, over the last month really um, as a scorer and and has developed as a passer too. Uh, they've got one of the best benches in the league with Mo Wagner and Cole Anthony both capable of going off for huge games. You know, Mo Wagner 27 against the Celtics on Friday. Cole Anthony had 30 off the bench against the Hornets on Sunday. Like, this is a team that is a team. They play really, really well together. They understand each other. And right now, they just understand what they're very good at, and they do it very, very well consistently. This Magic team jumping up, becoming a top three defense in the NBA, right there with uh, the the Houston Rockets. We're gonna <laughs> we might we might be a little bit ahead of schedule these two teams. We'll talk bit. about that in a little, little bit. bit. Little um, bit. <laughs> but but how have they? How do they go from? 18th last year to top three this season. Is it just internal growth from some of these guys? Is it is it different guys being put in better positions? What is it that, that's allowed them to become a top three defense? Yeah, it's 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 definitely internal growth. Um, and look, they they were they were 18th in the league in defensive rating last year, but they started the year five and 20. So if you chop off those first 25 games, which we always do here in Orlando, <laughs> um, as, at least with last season, if you chop the if you from December 7th to the end of the season, the last 57 games of the season. They were sixth in the league in defensive rating. So they had, you know, they had some confidence built up from last from last season, from the end of last season, that hey, we can be a very good defensive team. But I don't think anyone saw, and, and as good as that defense was, they were not this good. They were not this disruptive. It's, you know, Jalen Suggs being the head of the snake. And and frankly, I, you know, people aren't talking enough about him as a potential defensive player of the year candidate or even an all-defensive team player. He is someone that is now guarding the best player on the the best perimeter player on the other team, whether that's Jason Tatum, whether that's Lamelo Ball, and you know can rip the ball away from them. Just just is a constant physical pest. And this Magic team, they they use all that length that they've been drafting for so many years to get deflections, to just be present, to switch, to to do whatever they need to do to make it hard for you to score. Um, the main focus for Jamal Mosley has always been. Defend the rim, defend the paint. And this Magic team's done a very good job of doing that. And unlike last year, they're getting out to the three-point line much more consistently to limit op- to limit attempts there and limit opportunities. And that's enabled this defense to really flourish. For the uninitiated, one of the reasons the first 25 games gets thrown out last year is because of the uh, just insane number of injuries that the Magic dealt yeah. with, specifically to their guards. They had no guards. No guards. Now, I, I know Markel Fultz currently out due to injury this year, but, you know, it's having Jalen Suggs there, having Cole Anthony, his impact off the bench. You mentioned Jalen Suggs and his defensive presence, but then also Cole Anthony. At what point do, do the six-man-of-the-year drums start banging, you know, louder and louder as the season goes along? Because having that kind of one-two punch, a little maybe offense-defense substitution at times uh, is really beneficial for this Magic team. Yeah, and right now they're able to play together, you know, because Mar- with Markel Fultz out, you know, Anthony Black is starting uh, as a rookie, but he really only plays that first six minutes to give the team a, a defensive presence, and then it's figuring out who's going to play that lo- that that last guard spot the rest of the game. You know, could, if Gary Harris is hot from three, it's going to be Gary Harris. If 
it's Cole Anthony, it's going to be Cole Anthony. Um, Cole Anthony absolutely should be in the sixth man of the year conversation. Uh, both he and Mo Wagner should both be in that sixth man of the year conversation. They're both playing exceptionally well off the bench, off the bench. Um, and, you know, obviously award stuff comes with winning, like no one's paying, you know, the man, you know, Cole Anthony was scoring a ton last year off the bench too, but no one's paying attention to a 34 win magic team that, you know, started off the year so slowly and, and, and kind of quietly snuck their way into the postseason conversation. Um, this is a team that's winning now. And so the attention is going to come, you know, being, being on this podcast, I know you like to get, get around everybody, but being on this podcast, talking about a winning team, you know, having a seven game win streak, being honestly like first place in the in-season tournament group with a chance to advance to the quarterfinals. We have a surprise team that gets to that final, gets to that final eight in, in the league. Uh, the attention is going to come to this team as they keep building that consistency. But what I've been most impressed with, with this team is their maturity and their poise. You know, they're, they're enjoying this obviously, but they all keep saying, you know, you know, we, we got to be about the work. We still got to work. We still got to get better. You know, this isn't a moment to celebrate. There are still goals out there to achieve. And and for a team that's never really been to the playoffs, they've only got four players who've ever been to the playoffs on this roster. That's that's actually, I think, a really mature way to approach uh, their success early this season. You know, we, we've joked about this, you know, off camera before about a, a, a Rockets magic, uh, you know, rematch in the finals as these two young budding teams kind of, you know, find their place in today's NBA landscape. But does it feel, Philip, that this magic team is maybe a little ahead of schedule, you know, further along than where you thought they would be at at this point this season right now? Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, I-, I was hoping that they would just be in the play-in conversation, that they would be a team. You know, I-, I thought that they would struggle with kind of youth and and they get stronger as the season goes on. And and I and I- even looking at the early schedule, I, I thought this early schedule was going to be really, really tough for them. You know, a lot of road games. They're on a six-game homestand right now and they're fully taking advantage of it. But they, you know, had a four-game West Coast trip, second game of the season. They came back home, played two games at home, shipped out to Mexico City for a game, came back home for a game. And then went out on another four game on another big four game road trip. Those are really difficult things for a young team to handle uh, that's still trying to come together. And instead of it being a challenge for them, it really seems to have kind of galvanized them and, and helped them figure some things out. You know, they had their struggles on the road. They, they, they've lost. They, you know, they were five and five. You know, only a few weeks ago. Uh, but this is a team that has figured out a lot about itself or knew a lot about itself beforehand. Um, and so I think that. When you're looking at the bigger picture, you know, we're almost a quarter of the way through the season. And, you know, do I expect Orlando to be the second seed in the East? Probably not. There's a tough stretch coming up in December. This this team's going to have its ups and downs, as every team does during the season. And, and this team doesn't have experience to lean back on to tell them how to get through it. But do I think that this team can do better than just making the play-in? Absolutely. I think this Magic team should expect to make the playoffs at minimum. At, at worst, be in the seven eight game of that play in tournament, but you know you change expectations as things go along with an elite defensive unit like this. The Magic should feel that they can accomplish a whole lot more than they thought they could. And one of the to, to be doing all this despite a, kind of a, a shocking regression in efficiency from Franz Wagner is kind of interesting to me because he's one of that's one of the things areas of his game. Not only can he score the ball, but he can score the ball efficiently, and that's not common for a lot of young players. You might get guys who score well on volume, that kind of thing, but the efficiency is usually something that levels out, gets better with time. He's regressed from fifty nine percent true shooting to just fifty two percent this year. Is it anything specific that you're seeing? with his game is it just his shots not falling or what is it uh, you know going on with Franz right now yeah I, I, his three-point shots aren't falling for sure like uh, like his, his angle his shot angle looks a little flatter if we want to get into the nitty-gritty of it but shots aren't falling for him right now he, he look he's just coming you know 
tonight, you know, I don't know what the numbers are after after Sunday's game. He just scored 30 points, made his first nine shots, was 11 for 15 from the field. Like this, this Sunday's game felt like a normal Franz game. But look, he, I think there's two things going on. First, he did play in the FIBA World Cup. He was a heavy usage guy in that FIBA World Cup. Uh, there, there might be a little bit of fatigue playing a factor in there. But like so many other things, I, I still think it's important to remember, and even the Magic have tried to remind everyone of this, this is still a developing and growing team. They still have young players who are trying to figure this thing out in the league. You know, we were concerned in the first two weeks of the season because Paolo Bancaro was struggling to score. You know, he entered the league after scoring 20 points in his first five games. He couldn't clear 20 points in his first five games. And you watched him play and it was like, okay, he's trying to be more passive. He's trying to pass the ball a little bit more. He's trying to find the right balance of when do I go get mine? When do I make sure I keep my teammates involved? He was trying to be a good teammate. Franz almost has the opposite problem where his shot volume has gone up and his efficiency hasn't followed because he's trying to create more for himself. He's trying to be a little bit more aggressive. He's trying to get to the foul line a lot more, which is a big reason why his scoring average hasn't really changed much despite the efficiency drop. Um, so I think, I think like so many other things with, with young teams, it's just a young player trying to find the right balance of, okay, I'm trying to add some skills to my game and be something that my team needs me to be while also still being what I was before that my team needs me to be too. And so I think Franz is trying to be a lot more aggressive and, and trying to find the right balance for when to push his own shot and when to just be part of the team like he was, like he's been for the last few years. Can the Magic maintain one of the NBA's top defenses? Where will they ultimately land? Are they play inbound or potentially even further than that this season? You'll have us covered for all of that and so much more over at Locked On Magic. Philip, thanks for stopping by Locked On NBA with me. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Coming up, why are the Golden State Warriors struggling so much after a hot start to their NBA season, including most recently a blow-up between Chris Paul and Scott Foster, their long-standing feud, beef, whatever you want to call it, coming to a head in their most recent loss against the Phoenix Suns. It's all coming up here in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins and all you have to do is wager $5. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use and there's a wide range of betting options including spreads, player props, over-unders and so much more. Right now, you can take a look at the outright betting favorites for Super Bowl 58, the San Francisco 49ers leading the way at plus 430 right on their heels the Philadelphia Eagles at plus 440 also the Kansas City Chiefs sitting at plus 440 and then rounding out the top five you have the Dolphins at plus 800 and the Ravens at plus 900 so for all those odds and so much more go visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started this NFL season again that's FanDuel.com slash locked on for all of your NFL wagers this season FanDuel official partner of the NFL and final segment here at Locked On NBA Monday. Be sure to stay tuned in throughout the week as we have you covered for all of the NBA action right here at Locked On NBA with our rotating panel of Locked On NBA hosts, including Matt Moore and David Ramil on Tuesdays, John Corrales and Jake Madison on Wednesdays, Nick Angstad and Path the Designer on Thursdays, and then Adam Mares and Wes Goldberg on Fridays. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Warriors, Cyrus Satsas. You can track down wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Warriors. And Cyrus, a lot to talk about with these Golden State Warriors because they've been kind of reeling as of late. Just three and seven in their last 10. They had a six-game losing streak, and then they also had the, the huge blow-up 
altercation, whatever you want to call it, between Chris Paul and Scott Foster, which we're going to get into some of that, that, that beef uh, a little bit later on. But let's start with the Warriors and some of their recent struggles. They had, uh, they, they, they won a game at home against my Houston Rockets to break up that losing streak. But what, what kind of went into some of that six game skid? A lot of those happening at home. What, what's going on there? Yeah, that, good point on that because they started the season six and two. Almost all of those wins were on the road. I think they were five and one on the road to start the year. And, you know, the, the road games were the concern from last year because they won just 11 games total a year ago. So initially, great start to the season. You know, the, the energy was positive. People were happy. And then they come home, just like you said, the struggles became uh, very real. A uh, six game losing streak. They lost seven of nine. Um, the, the salvation, interestingly enough, came from two Texas teams, your Rockets and then the San Antonio Spurs most recently on Friday night, which was an in-season tournament game. And, and even though they've been struggling recently, they're, they're I believe, 89 in the year now, still a game below 500. Um, they're very much alive for the in-season tournament. And I love the fact I'm all in. I'm officially fully bought You're into bought this. You're bought into the in-season tournament? Oh, You're yeah. all about it? Oh, yeah. The marketing ploy worked on me. I'm 100% sucked in. Um, obviously you can make improvements and stuff, but yeah, I mean, Just look, any, I, I don't anything, remember anything to add one more like legacy point to Steph Curry's career, right? Well, that, I wasn't even thinking of it, of it from that regard, but you're right. I mean, you could add that to it. I'm just, I was thinking more so it's like, you know, we're recording this on a late November Sunday night. And normally there isn't this much hype or buzz surrounding NBA basketball this time of year. I mean, there's been a discussion for years about how, most people look at the NBA season uh, unofficially starting on Christmas Day, but right now there are games being played that matter, like the 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 courts as superficial as that may be in terms of highlighting a positive of this tournament. Look, there the aesthetic is real. It's flashy. It's catchy. It's you know it's the whole the whole thing. Even if it is just literally for show, even if it is a gimmick, it's awesome, man. I'm hooked in because there is going to be a braggadocery that comes from the team that wins this thing, right? I mean, you are going to have a fan base and a team that's going to be like, dude, we won the cup. We won the, I don't even know what you call it. Is it a cup? Is it a trophy? Whatever it is, I'm all in. And the Warriors Tuesday night, huge game because they play the Kings and the winner of that could win their group in advance uh, to the quarterfinals. So I want to see the Warriors in Vegas, man. I think the Vegas tournament is where it's really going to be felt. No, I, and it's it's been some exciting basketball. I, I agree. I'm you know I'm not a, a compl- I want to see how it kind of you know ramps up as we get into the actual tournament itself and get out of this this group knockout stage. But uh, just to to circle back to the beginning here, why what, what's going on with the Warriors? Why have they struggled so much? Because that was kind of the, the the first point here that we gotta we gotta address. Did my dodge not work? Did, did my, did no, my the change dodge subject did not work. Did not work. Cha- okay, I tried. Did not work. I tried. I tried. It was it was a valiant effort on my part. I'm pat myself on the back. Look, the Warriors are struggling for a myriad of reasons, but and it's not their bench. In fact, their bench is outscored. They, the Warriors have played 17 games this season. Their bench has outscored the opposing bet opposing bench in 15 of those 17 games. They would have uh, outscored the Spurs this last game if it wasn't for Devin Vassell or Basile or I always mispronounce his last name, but uh, he scored 24 points for the Spurs off the bench. The, the Warriors bench has been sound. But the starting unit has not. Last year, the, the Warriors starting five with the best net rating in the NBA. Now, people have been bringing that stat up a lot. Um, and it, it's it's a bit out of context in the sense that the starting five didn't play together since December uh, because of injuries primarily. So even though they had the highest net rating last year, the starting five, they, they also stopped playing together about almost less than halfway through the season. And then when we saw them together again in the postseason, the Lakers completely just wiped the floor. Um, and then this year, the starting five just look, Clay Thompson, 
you know, I, I if you watch Locked On Warriors, we've been saying this stuff for a month now that everyone else is starting to bring up. Like it's it's a it's a very sensitive subject in the barrier. You're talking about a, a very revered player, uh, uh, you know. One of the a player that's gonna have his own statue outside of Chase Center, but the reality is Clay Thompson is is his numbers are the only year. Okay, let me try to phrase this right way. The only year where the Clay Thompson's numbers have been worth were his rookie year, and people have brought up you know bad starts to his seasons, right? And he's never been the most consistent player. He is a streaky shooter and, and scorer, um, but even the, the the poor starts he's had in previous years. None of those com- compared to this year. So the Warriors have this huge problem with Clay Thompson, who may have peaked. And, you know, the Warriors have to make these tough decisions about whether or not you're just going to re- rely on him and stick with him. Um, or do you start bringing up players off the bench and giving them more minutes who might be producing more? Um, and, and Clay on the year, he's averaging 15 points a game. Again, that is not an all-star level, which... Play was talking about going into the season. And then the other player that's struggling mightily is Andrew Wiggins, a player that arguably was the second best player on the Warriors title team in 2022. Wiggins is averaging just 11.8 points per game. His three-point shooting on the year is at 25%. So those two players are fundamentally important in Steve Kerr's system. They're your wings that are supposed to be sw- uh, switch friendly. Um, they're, they're, they're relied on for scoring. And right now, defensively, they've been average at best. And offensively, they've been mediocre. So when you look at the Warriors being in a game below 500, their bench is not the problem. Their bench has been fantastic, but their starting five is having issues. So a myriad of issues here for the Warriors, kind of, and and most recently compounded by a pre-existing beef here between Chris Paul, a long-standing beef between Chris Paul and NBA referee Scott Foster that, that came to a head recently in the the Warriors' most recent of their of their losses against the Phoenix Suns, one twenty three one fifteen, which you know midway about what midway through that game, Chris Paul gets into it with Scott Foster. They start chirping at each other, and then Scott Foster ejects Chris Paul, and, and Chris Paul had this to say after the game. Yeah, it's, it's personal. Yeah, we had a situation some years ago, and it's personal. You know what I mean? Like, the league know, everybody knows. It's been a meeting and all that, and it's just a situation with my son, and so it's, yeah, we... Yeah, so I'm I'm okay with a ref talking, you know, saying whatever, saying just don't use a tech to get your point across. You know what I mean? So I got to do a better job making sure I stay on the floor for my teammates. But yeah, that's that's that. You said there's a situation with your son. Yeah, they know what it is. He know what it is too. So we don't know what it is. Yeah, it's just no. I had a meeting with him, my dad, Doc Rivers, Bob Delaney, and all us. So, yeah, yeah, him too. Was that back in when you were Houston? With the Clippers. Clippers. So. Did you come out of that meeting thinking? It was a whole thing, man. But it's it's still been a thing for a while. So. I ain't saying nothing to get fined, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is what it is at this point. Okay, so Chris Paul's thoughts on the 
interaction, altercation, whatever you want to call it with, with Scott Foster. And you even heard one of the reporters asking, you know, was this, was this situation back in Houston? And, and he goes, no, this has been the thing since the Clippers days. And this has been a thing that's followed him throughout his entire career. He is oh, yep. like 14. He's, he's never won a single playoff game that Scott Foster has officiated a longstanding beef that, you know, Rockets fans are, are well accustomed to their issues with Scott Foster historically, especially when Chris Paul was a part of the team. Now the Warriors are on the other end of the stick. They're dealing with Chris Paul and his, his this longstanding issue. Cyrus, just your thoughts on on what this it's it's just a bad look for the NBA. They've got this this feud with an active one of their lead officials, one of their most senior official uh, officials, and uh, you know a player the stature of Chris Paul. Yeah, I, I look. I, I I remember reacting that night. We we do live episodes, live post game episodes, um, following every Warriors game uh, with Locked On Warriors, and that night. When that happened, I, you know, I, I had to I, I couldn't contain myself in terms of just the, the the negative feelings I had towards Scott Foster because nobody's paying to watch him officiate. No one cares about what the officials think. And the fact that the storyline of a basketball game centered largely on an official uh, was just really disturbing to me. It just it, it's ridiculous. Like if you like do like be better, Scott Foster, like you should not be the, the primary focus the primary ar- the arc of the story it's it's mind-boggling to me like he's an official this is the same official by the way that 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 i don't want to let go the, of the tim donaghy thing in the sense that tim donaghy was making calls to scott foster all the way up until he got busted and for some reason scott foster got away with that i'm speaking factually here and the point is scott foster just please don't be a part of the story regardless of whatever this animus here I, the son thing is bizarre. Like, do you know what that means? I still have no idea how Chris Paul's son is involved in this. Do you? Because he was, because supposedly there was a transcription of at least some of the words said on the court that night, and his son was brought up in that transcription. So whatever is going on with the son is 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 long simmering. Um, why Scott Foster has this again animus towards Chris Paul? None of us still knows. But it sucks. There's just no way to spin it. And until this year, Warriors fans never had a taste of this. Um, you, you have, you know, you've been covering the Rockets for a long time. So now that I get the perspective of it, it just it's bitter. It's not cool. And I would love to know your thoughts, because all I've been hearing lately are from Warriors fans on this, or at least people covering the Warriors. Like, I mean, I'd love to know anything you want to add, because I'm sure the, the listeners would, too. I, you know, it's just a thing where I, I, I firmly say it, the NBA has to figure something else out, man. Like there has to be some kind of, you know, the, the, the officials are one of the most untouchable groups of individuals anywhere because they, you know, they've got a union and all that. And you, they, they are never questioned the moment you disagree with a the call. They, they respond with a technical. It is, it is a very messy situation that the NBA has to find a way to clean up, especially when you've got an official who is very clearly targeting and has a vendetta and agenda, you know, whatever against a singular player. And this isn't the first time that we've seen issues with Scott Foster, right? Other players have had things to say about him. It's just, this is the loudest, most longstanding, you know, player versus official that we've got going on. And the NBA has to step in and do something about it, uh, you know, at some point in time, because this ultimately, I don't think this thing can continue, but... Can the Warriors find a way to rebound from their recent struggles? Can Klay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins get back on track? And will the NBA ever actually step in to this Chris Paul versus Scott Foster beef? Y'all have us covered for all that and so much more over at Locked On Warriors. Cyrus, thanks for stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Thank you, man. Always a pleasure. Anytime you want me, I'm available, sir.
That's going to do it for another Monday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked On NBA, like, comment, subscribe. And while you're there, be sure to go subscribe to Locked On Sports Today, which is the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every single league. Just go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube, hit subscribe, But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts.